Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sunday Podcast. I'm your host, David S. Dawson. Joining me today will be Stephen Schwartz. We're going to talk about the new Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That's the Star Wars land at Disneyland, which opens this month on May 31st. But Steve and I got a sneak peek. We'll come at you with more about it right after this. Get away from her, you bitch! I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. And we are here. Joining me is Steve Schwartz. Hello, everyone. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. That's the first time I heard your your opening stinger. I was just really enjoying it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a bit of a step up from uh, season one or whatever you want to call yeah. the original run of this show. Yeah. Yeah. So we're having some fun with it. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. I really like it. Well, thank you. So this is your first time on Sci-Fi Sunday version 2.0, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank uh, you for having me. Uh, so Steve, um, you gave me the like greatest birthday gift I could ever Uh, possibly hope to get. It was my pleasure. And took me to star Wars galaxy's edge, uh, pretty much a a week ahead of it opening. Um, thank you so much, man. It was like a freaking dream coming true. (laughs) I, the minute I, I had my, um, I had what was called my cast showcase where they gave us a sneak peek of all the merchandise and some of the food. And then I had the opportunity to test run uh, the Millennium Falcon. And I immediately thought, oh, my God, Dave is going to freak when he sees this. I said, please let there be a uh, be a cast preview. And this was before they decided to have cast previews. And then finally they said, yes, we're going to have cast previews. You were the very first person I thought of. Well, I'm honored that you thought of me because, as you know, Star Wars is a big deal for me. Um, Yes. I mean, it goes all the way back. It goes all the way back to when we were in college together and we did uh, episode Mick. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't aware, Steve Schwartz and I produced and uh, co-wrote a uh, a Star Wars fan film way back in the day. This is like circa 2000, 2001. Uh, we did uh, Spoof Wars. Yep. Uh, Generation Jedi episode Mick. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what a, a title. <laughs> you know, fun mouthful of a title. And, uh, you know, uh, we had a great time with it and had had some fun. And my sister, Teresa, starred in it. And uh, we made a, an R2 unit out of a trash can. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we, we, and we'll we, be circling back to that later. Yeah, in this we pushed the limits of what we could do with what we had at the time. <laughs> but we had a really good time doing that. And uh, but no, Star Wars has been a huge part of my childhood. It's been a, a big part of my adult life uh, as a filmmaker. Uh, it inspires me. It, it pushes me to want to do bigger stories and kind of grander things. Um, you know, uh, obviously I was only two 
when it first came out in 77. You were a little I bit was, older than me. I was 12. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think people need a huge background on, on you and me. I mean, we're of the age. Yeah, we're, we're males <laughs> of that age uh, who yes. grew up with Star Wars. And instead of, uh, you know, cops and robbers and cowboys and Native Americans, we, we played Jedi and Sith and stuff. You yes. Know? Like, uh, that's, yes, we did. Uh, <laughs> That's what we did. Um, so for me, uh, walking into Galaxy's Edge was like stepping into every childhood dream I ever had. Suddenly, I was no longer in Anaheim. I was on the planet Batu. I mean, it is so immersive. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I uh, found out just recently um, that the entrance is... I mean, it dips down, so you have to walk down a, a bit of a of an incline, and you don't see the entrance. You don't see the park from outside it. You just see the entrance, and all you see is the it rises up in front of you. the 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 pathway, the street rises up in front of you, so you have to walk all the way down to the bottom of it and come up. And they did that purposely to one cut you off from the rest of the park so you're completely immersed in a new world and as you enter it opens up in a in a film wipe the way every star wars film opens in a wipe so as you're walking up it wipes up in front of you it is absolute i nearly choked when i heard that was the reason why they did it it was so perfect it's a when real subtle thing. And, and, yeah. and, and it's one of those interesting things because uh, when you and I were done with the day, we, we took the train around the park. And um, for those of you who don't know, Galaxy's Edge is positioned kind of behind the rivers of America and behind uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So it's in that space on the north side of the park. And we, uh, we were on the train hoping we could get a look. And you really can't see... Not really, no. Uh, hardly anything out of like some roofs and the very tips of the spires from the train. They really designed Galaxy's Edge to be its own separate experience that feels completely removed from the rest of the Disneyland park. It's very interesting. Um, so even when you're not in it, you can't look into it. And no. when you're in it, you can't really look out of it. And um, I, I think that's an uh, incredible attention to detail that the the Disney Imagineers um, really put a lot of thought into. You can tell they put a lot of thought into it. Yes. I mean, um, we also um, just uh, watched the live streaming uh, dedication uh, of the park to, to officially open it. And I got a little emotional when I was watching. Did, were you able to watch it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, especially when Harrison Ford came up and he turned to the camera and he said, Peter, this is for you. And I just, yeah, I wish uh, the lighting guy hadn't fucked up the queue, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, it, uh, it was very touching to see Harrison Ford up there and paying a tribute to Peter Mayhew. I was surprised they didn't pay any sort of tribute to Carrie. Yeah, that um, was, that was that, a little in bit in that moment. Yeah. But, uh, but Peter's more fresh, you know, they've, they've, yeah. they've made their tributes to Carrie over the last uh, year and a half, but, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, fantastic to see Billy D. Williams up on stage and even George Lucas, you know, coming on, um, you know, to, to see what Disney's doing <laughs> yeah. with, with his legacy. Um, 
and and I think Mark Hamill put it best. He's like, you know, I, I stood here at Disneyland Park, you know, many moons ago to open Star Tours, and thought, boy, I need to savor this because this will never happen again. Yeah, no, and, nothing and of this magnitude. <laughs> yeah, now he's standing on stage opening an entire land dedicated to the films he was a part of. It's got to be surreal. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, just for me, and I'm, sh- and I'm sure for you, the minute you walk in and you see the Millennium Falcon, big as life. I mean, the first time I saw it, I, I got a little emotional. I got choked. Yeah, you know, I'm an emotional person. What can I say? Uh, but I mean, I was taken back to 12 years old, saying, "I want to be on that. I want to fly that." They've got to make something where you can go into that. And finally, you know in my fifties and you in your forties, we were finally able to do that and going inside and sitting at the chess table inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, to be able to walk the halls, not just to yeah. stand outside of it. Although standing outside of it and staring up at the Falcon is it, it, it's, it's, kind of surreal because on the one hand you've imagined that moment your whole life, like, Oh, the right. chance to get to see the Falcon in person, but to actually stand beneath it and Disney did it right. Like it's not, you look up at it, you can tell it is made of metal. Yes. It's, it's not some cheap mock-up of the Falcon. Like they put the money in and cut actual sheets of metal to make this ship. Um, I can't wait to be in the park, like when it's raining and experience that thing out in the rain, (laughs) you know, like it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but like, yeah, that visceral, it exists in the real world sensation of it is something you can't really describe. And and I can't wait to go back to the park at like different times of the year and and experience the Falcon like out in the natural environment, getting hit with weather and stuff. I think it would be it'll be an That's, incredible experience. That was um one of one of the great experiences for me watching the dedication was seeing it at night because when we went in we were very early in the morning about 8 eight thirty when we went in and it was overcast and it was a little cold it was a little misty so it was a perfect perfect weather to see that to see that the greatest hunk of junk in the galaxy um in that in that environment, in the, in those, um, weather conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what was, uh, your experience? How did you enjoy the actual ride itself? Um, so the ride oh, is, actually take uh, us, take us through the entire queue into the ride. Yeah. So the ride smugglers run and it, right now it's the only ride available in galaxy's edge. Um, the other ride will be rise of the resistance, which opens later in the year, hopefully. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, temper your expectations. If you go this summer, there's one ride in, in that land, but there's a lot of other things to do that said. Now, the thing that I was hearing, uh, today is the intention is to never have the line longer than two hours for galaxies or for smugglers run. Um, wow. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. Um, but uh, the ride itself, you have to pass un- basically underneath the Millennium Falcon, which is sitting in a docking bay to get into the line, right? So you have to, you basically walk right next to the cockpit and you look straight up at the cockpit and you can see in and you can see the seats and 
you know, you, you feel the weight of the Falcon. Like that was, that was something I didn't expect was being able to kind of look at it and just go, God, that thing is massive. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's really huge because it moves very nimbly in the movies, right? Like, right. Um, so you kind of lose sight of the fact that it is in fact, this giant, heavy piece of machinery. Um, so it was, it was really, really cool to get to see that as you're walking in. And then the line is designed to take you all around the backside of it. So you basically can do a full 360 degree walk all the way around the Falcon. Um, and, and you get to spend a decent amount of time provided how fast the line is moving. Um, you get to spend a decent amount of time, uh, looking at the undercarriage, you know, from the backside of it, um, and looking up into the engines and, uh, and then you go into this launch bay and, you know, it's typical Disney slash Lucasfilm lines. If you've ridden star tours, you'll be familiar with what you're going to experience here. You walk in, it's a working, um, uh, spacecraft, uh, warehouse where they're working on ships and, you know, you hear voices on the intercom talking about the testing things that they're doing and, you know, stuff is, you know, moving and making noise and blasting smoke and doing whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's a visceral experience. That's the thing about all of this star tours to now, uh, galaxy's edge is it's, it's an immersive visceral experience where these things you've watched in 2d on screen for years is suddenly all around you and, and feels real and you can feel the history of it. And you can tell that they really thought these things through and they, and they, they came up with stories, even the voices that are going through all the mechanics of fixing stuff inside this warehouse. They have stories that if you listen to what they're saying, as you go through, you hear a complete story of what these, these characters yeah, he, are going They're having through. a conversation about, about, you know, messing up or, you know, tr- don't tell Oga, don't tell, or don't, yeah, don't tell the boss. It's very cool, you know, and, and again, it's those little subtle things that help make it feel real. And then, you know, eventually you end up on the second floor of this, uh, of this bay and you're the line runs along a, a long bay of windows that are looking down right down onto the top of the Falcon. So you also get a very clear bird's eye view of the aft section of the Falcon while you're standing in line, which is incredible because that's also the top of the Falcon that has like the most detail, right? You got all the, yes, you see the the intake manifolds and, and you see uh, the, uh, the, the satellite, the dish, um, and you see the, the gun turrets from mm -hmm. the top. Yeah. So it's, it's just a really cool experience all the way around because, uh, they really designed this ride around people's love of this ship. And that is kind of the quintessential thing about this ride is it is all about the love of the Falcon. And so once you finally get to go in the holding uh, area before you get onto the bridge of the Falcon is in fact the living quarters of the Falcon. So you get to spend, you know, a couple minutes, uh, on the, on the living quarters of the Falcon, uh, you know, sitting at the, hollow chest table you can go back to the bed where uh where luke laid when uh when he 
had his hand chopped off and Finn was laying there when his back was sliced open. You know, that's, that's the, the medical bed where the two mm-hmm. of them laid. Um, there is one and, thing that I found out today. Yeah. Um, looking online, the buttons on the walls are mm-hmm. interactive. So if you walk over to a button and press it, alarms will go off. <laughs> that's so, cool. So it it there's even more to it. I mean, we even saw nests for porgs. Yeah, there's you know, porg in- nests all over it. Yeah, it's uh it's very cool. Like yeah, it, it's a loving tribute to the Millennium Falcon, and it's and, and it's also incredibly detailed. Hope. And there's and there's little things everywhere. Um, the, the you know all the things you would expect to find on the Falcon. The uh, the training droid ball that uh, Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, first learned to use his lightsaber against and uh, the blast shield helmet uh, that that's all there. If you look for it, you can find it. Um, there are two even ways. There are two ways to get to the bridge, right? Right. Um, you can go direct as you've seen in the movies um, where you go straight in or you kind of wrap around the backside of the ship to a, let's face it. It's a secondary uh, bridge. That's how right. they're getting multiple people in there- and out. But, the, but, actual, that access, actual, yeah. but that access into there takes you into the little corridor where Leia was trying to, like, turn that yes. giant handle <laughs> and, yes. uh, you know, Han came in and kissed her. And, uh, yeah. you know, so everywhere you turn, there's a little thing for you to see and there's a little thing for you to enjoy. And, and the, just the little things like wall panels are missing and it's exposed foam and, and cabling and. You know, they got work lights up yeah. because um, it's the Falcon, right? It's not pristine. <laughs> and it, nope. it, it's just a really enjoyable experience. And, and if you were a kid who grew up dreaming of being Han Solo or dreaming of being Luke Skywalker and going on an adventure in the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy, like suddenly you're there. And it's just incredible. And, and then yep. when you walk into the when you walk into the cockpit. I mean, come on, you know, (laughs) you know, at at that point you're stepping into like Uber fantasy world and, um, and essentially the ride is a video game. Um, it's kind of a mixture of star tours and mission to Mars. If you've ever done that at Walt Disney world, um, and, uh, and, and any number of like flight simulator simulator type games that you that you have uh, that you can play even at home these days. Um, it's a very high frame rate digital projection that wraps all the way around the cockpit. I couldn't find the edge of the screen. No, that that was and amazing. I tried. Yeah, the first time <laughs> the first time I I did these, we were I was doing on test runs of this uh, of the, of the ride, and I was just looking forward. Now, when I was on with you, you looked up, and I said, "Okay, what's up there?" And I went, "Oh my god." <laughs> we are fully we are it's, fully it, surrounded by by seamless video yeah it's a full immersion and it's very cool it's very cool um and then the ride you know i i don't think we got to ride the entire ride i think they gave us snippets of it um it's possible I, because they and said i wonder i wonder if like uh, what they've done to star tours. If it's possible that you'll have different missions on different trips, you know, I'm hoping that that's going to be the case because, um, just like when star tours in its first, uh, iteration, uh, it got to be quite 
predictable and boring. It, it was the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, no, now granted this could be is different because you're in with the different crew each time. So how your success in playing the game, because it's not just something sitting there and you're witnessing, you're actually controlling what's happening. So it will be, it'll definitely be different every single time because you don't know, you know, how well someone can pilot, how well someone can shoot, how well someone can fix the, fix the ship in time. And how many of those, um, of those, the, those power rods that you're supposed to get. Uh, that, that you can do and how badly you, you damage the ship. And if, if Hondo is, is yeah, going to I'm, charge you I'm, for everything. I'm, fir- I'm firmly convinced that we haven't seen the whole ride. Um, yeah. I think, I think they held back on the previews. Well, they, they held back on the test runs because as soon as we got, uh, there was, there's a portion where you are yeah, leaving don't, don't, this planet. Don't give it up. Don't give it up too much, Steve. They, they abbreviated. They ended the ride sooner yeah. than well, and, when and we were still, on. It still felt like an abbreviation where it ended while we were yeah. on it too. Yeah. So, um, but you know, I, it's a digital ride. Yes. And and I don't see any reason why there can't be, you know, a half dozen or more different style journeys that you can take, and maybe they'll exactly. roll them out gradually over time. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, we there's definitely the- there's definitely nothing leading up to leaving in the cockpit there's definitely nothing that's like permanently representative of the specific mission you're on mm-hmm. so so i think i think it's it's definitely set up where they can vary it up uh either over time or it's or it is already designed to do so one one aspect i will uh giveaways i remember um harrison ford talking to jj abrams before they were going to be doing force awakens this is we're going to redo the millennium falcon and his request is you know make sure all the switches stick and move and stay in one place because when we first did the first three films none of the switches Stay actually actually worked. Yeah, they didn't have that any springs. Actually, they, there was no springs to keep them in place. And when you go in, all the switches, you know, click into place and it, they feel solid. And it's <laughs> I, I immediately thought of that when I started hitting some of the switches. And when you enter in there, there are switches on the walls that you can play with as well. So it's really, really well done. Uh, highly detailed. Um, yeah. Do we want to tell talk about Hondo? Uh, yeah, so you know this. The it would seem with the uh, porgs on the ship and whatnot that uh, uh, in terms of Star Wars timeline, this definitely takes place post Han Solo, um, and uh, sometime after Chewbacca and Ray have bounded around in it. Um, so the ships on Batu, um, Hondo, if you're familiar with Hondo, he, uh, he's a character from the clone wars and more so from, uh, star Wars rebels. He's a smuggler who's dealt with, uh, a number of characters from the, from the cartoon, uh, universe. And, uh, he, he's hiring a crew to pilot the millennium Falcon and man, the guns and man, the, the engineering and, uh, go on the, on a smuggler's run and uh pick up uh 
supplies of coaxium, which is the explosive fuel from uh, the solo film. And, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's an animatronic. So suddenly this cartoon has become, you know, a six foot tall talking animatronic. Um, and it's just cool. It's very cool. And it's very, very well done. And it's no mistaking the character. And, uh, um, you know, I enjoyed it because it ties in all of the stuff that is canon, um, not just the films, but the cartoons uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole ride is just exceptionally well done. The whole park is exceptionally yes. well done. Everywhere you look, there's small details like the Batu, as I've discovered, uh, appears in the novels. Uh, that have been coming out. I just started listening uh, on Audible books. Um, I, I've been listening to Thrawn Alliance, um, which is the Darth Vader and Admiral Thrawn book. And uh, huge portions of that book take place on Batu at Dark Spire, which is the outpost that uh, Galaxy's Edge uh, is. Um, and there's details in the book about how the rock formations are ancient uh forests that have become petrified and have collapsed and basically all these tall rock spires at the at the uh, outpost are all ancient trees and steve when you and i were walking around uh, i actually i actually heard this about batu in the books after you and i went and while you and I were there, I noticed at one point I stopped. I said, Steve, take a look at this. These rock yeah. outcroppings are petrified, petrified trees. trees. Yes. And <laughs> the detail, I mean, granted, yes, they are not real petrified trees, but the detail that went into creating them was just so impressive. You just stare at it and it, and it's, you know, if you've ever seen petrified wood, it's, I mean, you would swear that it's petrified wood. I mean, well, hats off back, to the Imagineers for that. It get, gets back to that immersion thing about what they're doing with Galaxy's Edge. To to see something that looks so real, A, is just a testament to the artistry of the Imagineers. But B, yes. from a story standpoint, it makes this land, this world, feel real and mm-hmm. feel ancient. Right. Yeah. The, the outpost itself seems old, but it's also blended into this ancient rock formation. Right. And, you know, we're used to seeing petrified rocks. We're used to seeing petrified trees. And we know that those things are like millions of years old in, in our world. So the instant reaction to seeing it at Galaxy's Edge is like, oh, this is a real place and it's really old, you know? And it really yes. messes with your mind because you feel like you're in a real place. And, um, it's, it's just incredible. It's incredible what they've done. It's, it's really fantastic. And it's, and it's across the board, anywhere you walk in galaxy's edge, you turn and look and you're going to, you're going to see things. You're going to hear things that make you feel like you're on another planet. Even when you and I are walking around, they're pumping in the sounds of like alien insects in all the bushes yes. and stuff. Yeah. It would, you know, you would stop and turn because you would hear something in the bushes, like something was, was coming out or coming towards you. And it was, it was a little bit freaky every once in a while. Um, but getting back to, um, more, more about the detail. I mean, you even noticed, um, when we were on the line for the Millennium Falcon, 
is that they even used, they utilized the stagecraft to create the queue. So you see blast shields as part of the queue. Yeah. So like the walls separating the left line from the right line are the, the angled loading ramps going from under the Falcon into the, into the garage, but the angled ramps are like tilted up. And so they're upright (laughs) and they're creating part of the wall that separates the two lines. Like it's, it's really cool little things like that. And then like, instead of rope, it's, it's cabling, it's power cabling and stuff. That's, running it's steel, along it's steel along power, power cable yeah steel power cool. cabling that's made to look authentically like a heavy cable and you just see like wires exposed wires just hanging down and being strung strung around and grease stains and blast points and it just you see how ancient this was it kind of reminded me a little bit when star tours first opened because it used to be you know something that was much older that took place um, during, you know, what what we saw as the original trilogy. Because m- everything is so much older that the uh, that the Jedi Order was was gone, and that the Republic had fallen, and uh, the uh, Star Speeders were pockmarked and dirty, and the whole spaceport was. Uh, was that way but with the new iteration of of the ride after the new trilogy came out everything was new as if it was in the uh, original trilogy and er- earlier the, than the, the original er- trilogy earlier than the original trilogy so um to add to the fact that you know you're going to be going to so many other worlds now and to to look at the uh, imagineering that goes into immersing uh, the the public and the guests when they come in. I mean, when I was in my showcase, uh, they talked about the first time that they went to a land to make it immersive was when they did Toontown. They wanted to have that as if what it would be like to walk into a cartoon. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was like. Then the next step went up exponentially was when they had cars land yeah you cars are literally land is amazing too cars land you are literally plunked right into radiator springs they have not forgotten one detail about radiator springs when you walk into cars land and then they top themselves with this with galaxy's yep. edge is yep. just absolutely fabulous and what's really cool about galaxy's edge is it's not just anaheim uh, Walt Disney World is going to have Galaxy's Edge as well. It opens in late August. And so um, either one of the Disney parks you choose to go to in America, you're going to get to go uh, to Batu, And that's it's really cool. Um, Steve, that's uh, that's all the time we have for the episode. All righty. Um, I loved going to Galaxy's Edge. I can't thank you enough for helping make that a reality for me uh, before every other asshole gets to go. (laughs) Um. So I was my pleasure to bring your asshole into into Galaxy's Edge. Uh, one person did ask out. me that what sounds the bathrooms. Gross. <laughs> yes. One person did ask me what do the bathrooms look like and we never used them so I did uh, you're right we didn't go into the bathrooms there. We didn't see the bathrooms. Interesting. 
interesting. <laughs> oh, well. Well, anyway, uh, thank you again, Steve. And thank you all for listening to Sci-Fi Sunday Podcast version 2.0. This is our Galaxy's Edge special report. Um, we will be back with more um, Sci-Fi Sunday uh, throughout the summer. Uh, obviously, we got some big things coming up like Spider-Man. Um, so we'll, we'll be geeking out and having a great time discussing all of the fun pop culture things that we can this summer. Uh, we may have some stuff coming at you from comic con as well. We'll see how things are going, uh, as July rolls around and, uh, until next time, I'm your host, David Dawson. I've been talking with Steven Schwartz and, uh, may the force be with you always.